And we are going to be looking at Acts 15, verses 1 through, okay, brace yourself, 35. If this was an epistle of the Apostle Paul, we wouldn't do 35 verses. But in the narrative of the book of Acts, we can do that. We will do that here this morning. But we're going to read all 35 of those verses as we stand uh, in honor of God's word. Then we'll go ahead and get into the teaching. And I'll be reading out of King, the New King James Version of the Word of God. Luke is writing, he said, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees, who believed, rose up, saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent, and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and, and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up, so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. 
but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the, among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And Father, we pray that as we go through this passage today that, Lord, you, as you write your word upon our hearts, that we would receive these truths in a way that is something that will never be questioned in our hearts again. Lord, a, a very important passage of the New Testament in which you settle an issue through the apostles for the church forevermore. Now we take heed to this and abide by it. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. But your Holy Spirit works to cause us to understand and to receive. Might he do his work in our hearts today. And God, have your way in us. Be glorified here in this place and in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. Here in this 15th chapter, we see a really a very, very important chapter and a very important issue that is settled in the early church that needs to be settled forevermore within the church, which is a difficult thing in the heart of men. 
It always has been and it always will be just simply because of the nature of who and what we are as human beings. To understand that we are saved strictly and only through the grace or by the grace of Jesus Christ. Not of works, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. And we'll be talking more about that, obviously, as we go through this passage of Scripture. But uh, you'll recall as we finished chapter 14 last week that, that uh, uh, Barnabas and Paul had finished their first missionary journey, uh, returned to Antioch to report to them the, the work that, that God had done. And we see in verse 28, so they stayed there a long time with the disciples, uh, Paul and Barnabas there in Antioch with the disciples teaching them. But there was a problem that arose that we see here in verse 1. It begins right away in verse 1 with, with these words, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And then, of course, we see the, the reality of the division that this teaching caused. Now, now, these, of course, were men from Judea, as it says, um, men who were Jews who came to faith in Christ, but insisted that, that Gentiles who come to faith in Christ have to follow along with the, the laws and the customs of Moses, even as they themselves were doing. And this was causing a problem. Paul and Barnabas took issue with them. They said, no, wait a minute, no, wait a minute. Jesus Christ came and died for our sins to save us from our sins based on his work on the cross. That grace, the, the grace of life that comes through Jesus Christ, the mercy that comes through Jesus Christ, and that we don't have to pay the penalty for our sin, he did it. And we don't have to try to work somehow for, for life, for eternity, for it's just a gift of God. And so, no, no. And that's what was going on there. The, these Jews were saying yes, and Paul and Barnabas, Paul in particular, and we've got to believe it was Paul that was doing most of the talking and as we're familiar with the letters that he wrote, we'll be quoting extensively from uh, his letter to the Galatians in just a few moments. But the reality that, that by the works of the law, no man can be saved. It can't happen. Now, one of the things that we have to establish is this. If a person could, all of his or her life, totally and completely follow the law of God? Okay. But that can't happen. Because you see, we are sinners by nature, aren't we? And because we are, we sin. And the problem is that we start sinning from right out of the womb. You know, um, that just reminds me of you know, I, I've shared this with you before. My, my oldest grandson is going to be uh, 28 years old later this month. 
I know, huh? Linda's sitting there going, man, you're getting old, Pastor. No, he is, but not me. But, uh, yeah, 28 years old. I've got a nearly 30-year-old grandchild. Anyway, um, 28 years ago, on um, February 20th in 1995, as my wife and I were at the hospital right after the birth and and we got to hold little Josiah for the very first time. And I remember holding him in my arms like this, and, and, and my honey's just at my, at my shoulder, and, and she's just tickling his face and so forth, and just in awe. I mean, for those of you who are grandparents, first grandchild, isn't that an amazing, amazing moment? It just is, and we're, we're still trying to figure out a way to have grandchildren before we have children, you know, just, they're, they're, they're so they're so. They're so great. Anyway, but we're, we're holding him, and I'm just thinking about some spiritual realities. And I, and I told my honey, I said, isn't it amazing? I mean, isn't it something to think that this precious, pure little child is a sinner and has a wicked heart? And she hits me. <laughs> Don't say that. Well, it's true. It's true, you know, and, well, he's proven that it's true. <laughs> As every one of us have, right? As every one of us have. We can't follow the law. Therefore, we cannot be saved by it or through it. It has to be the grace of God through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, sermon's over. But, uh, and really, I mean, that, that's really what this is all about. It's what it's all about. No, I'm not going to say it. You're not going to say what? I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm thinking. Anyway. So they had this dispute here, no, no small dissension, verse 2. It became a big deal. And Paul and Barnabas, in their wisdom, understood, you know, we're not going to settle it here. And even if we did, it would only be settled here. We've got to take this to Jerusalem. We've got to take this to the apostles. We've got to take this to the church leaders. And it has to be settled once and for all, for all time, for all churches. Basically, that's the approach that they took. And so they determined that, that they ought to do that. And so they went to, to Jerusalem. But you'll notice here in verse 5, much the same things took place there in Jerusalem. After they arrived in verse 3, uh, um, and, and they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, you see, we, we don't know exactly where Samaria is, but it's some area somewhere. <laughs> but um, we, we had seen earlier in the book of Acts, in chapter 8, we saw that Philip the evangelist went to Samaria and evangelized there, and people were getting saved. And so there was salvation in Samaria. We, we saw also in... Um, 
in the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 19, that, that, that verse reads this way, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. So as Paul and Barnabas were passing through those particular areas, they, uh, they were sharing what the Lord had done uh, among the Gentiles and, uh, on that first missionary journey, and they were just rejoicing. Now, most of these people were Gentiles themselves, so they were rejoicing about what God had been doing. The issue for these Jewish people were, were basically, that it really came down to this. When you look at verse 1, you look at verse 5, Basically, these who became to know, who, who came to be known as Judaizers because they were trying to make the Gentiles become Jews, these Judaizers, and as we see in verse 5, it was particularly uh, a, a strong movement among the Pharisees who came to believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, placed their faith in him, but they didn't want to lose their Judaism, and that's an appropriate thing. But the issue is, can you force Judaism upon Gentiles who've never worshipped this way, right? That's the issue that, that, that came to be. But, but it, was, it, was, it was among the Pharisees in particular, and bottom line, they're just simply trying to turn or insisting that Gentiles become Jews before they can be saved, and even saying that unless they do become Jews and worship in the same way that we have worshipped, they cannot be saved. So, it becomes a system of salvation by works, doesn't it? At that point. And that's why Paul, in particular, had such a hard time with this. He just simply would not accept it. Would not accept it. Now, interestingly, as we look at these verses here, these first five verses, we see what took place. And of course, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they wind up going down to Jerusalem with some other people from the church uh, to, to, to hammer out this issue uh, and take it before the, the leaders of the church, the apostles and leaders, and um, bring it to them to settle it. But this same issue was something that, that became, became quite rampant early in the history of the church. In fact, Paul writes about it in Galatians. He writes about it in Romans as well. Those two epistles in particular, deal with this issue, Galatians, uh, quite heavily. But you know, guys, as, as we talk about it, let's not divorce ourselves from the reality of our own lives and the reality of our own culture and the culture of the church today. And the reality that there are among us, within the church, people who, who will say the same kind of things, but a different issue. Uh, there are those around us who will say, well, if you're not baptized in our church, you can't really be saved. If you're not baptized in the way that we baptized, a person can't really be saved. 
Others will say, well, if you worship on Sunday rather than Saturday, you really can't be saved. These kinds of things around us, right? And others, those are very prominent ones. Those statements betray a lack of understanding of the truth of the New Testament. Because by no work of the law can anyone be saved. By no, by no work, period. It is the work of Jesus Christ. We are saved by grace through faith, as Paul writes to the Ephesians. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 16, I, I don't have time to go before this. We, I would encourage you to do this, guys. You know, later on today, maybe at halftime in the game, read the first 10 verses of Galatians and go on and pick up in verse 11 where we're going to start reading right now. But the first 10 verses, we see Paul writing about a meeting that he and Barnabas and Titus had with a few select leaders there in Jerusalem to hammer out the issue of them going to the Gentiles in particular. That's what that was all about, and it seemed to be a private meeting. There are some who, who, who liken that meeting that Paul writes about in Galatians 2 with this meeting that's taking place here in Acts chapter 15 there in Jerusalem. But they really do seem, and, 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 and in reading various uh, commentators about it, I've come to the place of believing that there's simply two different meetings that were taking place. The first one dealing with Paul's apostleship to the Gentiles. The second one dealing with works versus grace, basically. That, that, that's what we have here. But in Galatians 2, verses, verse 11, let, let's pick up there. We're going to read through verse 16, then we're going to jump to verse 20 and read, read 20 and 21. Galatians 2, 11, Paul writing to the Galatians, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Now, we don't know exactly when this took place. We do know that, that Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch for a, a long time. We don't know how far in advance of Acts 15 here that this incident that Paul's writing about to the Galatians actually happened. But it does present us with some background for the need of this council in Jerusalem in Acts 15. Verse 12. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all. Now, let's pause right there. The Apostle Paul is, we'll just say he's kind of a Johnny-come-lately kind of a guy among the apostles. Peter viewed 
as the premier of all the apostles. You know, he's the, he's the main guy, right? He, he, he would represent all of the apostles, basically, at, at this point in time. And, and I'm just saying that to point out the incredible courage of Paul, who would stand up to Peter the way that he did. Rightly so, but as, as Paul writes to the Galatians in the first chapter, that he's, he, 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 he's not a servant of men, he's a servant of God. And so he would serve men, but serving God first. You know, and, and just this whole thing of that can be an issue for every one of us, fear of men, fear of people being concerned about what somebody else is going to think, about how they might respond to something that we're going to say, whether it's true or not. And often we'll avoid having a problem with somebody by simply not saying something that really needs to be said. Right? I mean, that's our nature. It's natural for us, but Paul gives us a wonderful example here of someone who has overcome that natural fear of what other people think of us. Well, Paul stands up before Peter. And he says this here in verse 14. I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? Pointing out the hypocrisy, right? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. Now, he's not just simply saying that only Gentiles are sinners. We are sinners who are Jews. They are sinners who are Gentiles, okay? Knowing, now look at this, verse 16, a very, very important verse here knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. Then skipping down to verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that a precious verse or what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. That's why God sent him, right? To die for our sins. To die to, so that our sins can be removed from us because the only way we could be justified Justified, of course, meaning God seeing that we 
are righteous. Justification means that we are declared to be righteous by God himself. And the only way that declaration can be made is through the blood of Jesus Christ and us placing our faith in him so that God, by his grace, can simply save us through his work and not our own. Through his work and not our own. Guys, we, we've got to understand that. And I think that you guys do. I think that you do. But it's got to be something that is reflected in every area of our lives. You know, we've got to constantly talk about the grace of God through Jesus Christ. The grace of It's all about grace. It's all about God's grace. Not about us, not about our works, but God's grace. You know, there are some of us who think that, you know, especially when we first get saved, we think that, you know, we, we, we might get saved and get active in the church right away and be used by God. And, and you know, I mean, I, I think this is true. So, some of us can think like, well, you know, I'm sure Glad is so happy that he saved me because of all the work that I'm doing right now. God forbid. Again, that's a natural thing for those who have some real issues with pride. I've shared with you guys in the past, and uh, a pride issue was something that was very prominent in, in me as a younger man. And, you know, it still can pop up once in a while, you know. We, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Just keep our eyes on him, on his work, what he's done for us, you know. But that, that was an issue for me. You know, I don't know if I ever actually thought that, you know, God's lucky to have me. <laughs> but there were some pride issues. There were some pride issues. And, you know, something that's special for me, personal, on a personal level, as I read through these passages, this Galatians 2 passage, especially as we get to verse 20 and 21, I, re I remember like it was yesterday, the first time I ever read that. It, it had to be, well, this summer in July, I, I will have been saved for 50 years. So this happened some, praise the Lord, thank you, thank you for that. God is good. Um, it's been a great 50 years, <coughs> excuse me, it's been a great 50 years, it really has been. But I remember, not long after I first got saved, I remember... Um, our family, our kids were little. Um, in fact, um, it was a couple years after we got saved. Um, I don't know that Jamie was even born yet, but Mark was an infant and, and Tracy was a toddler. I think it was about that time. We had gone camping with, uh, with Jeanette's folks, with mom and pops, and they had a motor home, and we went to this place called Fisherman's Retreat. And, and uh, during that particular time, uh, Pops and Mom were not yet saved, and so they were with their friends, and they were, they were drinking and stuff with their friends. And, and I, I had a little pocket Bible in my pocket, you know, a little New Testament. It was a New American Standard New Testament. And I went into the motor home, and I was reading it. I was reading Galatians, and I was reading this second chapter. And I got to this 20th verse, It's still, I'm, my heart is very tender toward it at this moment. You know, God's, 
spoke to me through his word for the very first time, really touching my heart, really doing a work of changing me, you know, through this passage. You know, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then I don't set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could come through the law, then Jesus died in vain. You know, and that hit me. It hit me. And uh, again, the very, that, that was the very first time that God spoke that clearly to my heart through his word. Do you guys remember a moment like that? The first time? The first time, it's just a precious, precious moment. But these are very powerful verses. Very important verses for us. The grace of God. And so, moving on to verse 6. In these verses 6 through 21, we've already read them. We, we don't need to read them again. But, but we do see that there in the sixth verse, the apostles and elders gathered together to consider the issue. They, they, they had heard from Paul and Barnabas. Uh, we, we, we see that, that they, they received the report about what God had done among them. Uh, and then these uh, uh, Pharisees rise up in verse 5. Believers in Jesus, but Pharisees, and declaring that it's necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders uh, consider the issue. After a lot of dispute, Peter rises up. Now it's interesting that Peter rises up to speak, and appropriately, and we understand why, but Peter, having gotten caught up in that one issue that Paul wrote about in Galatians 2, that had already happened. You know, it's just interesting how the Lord continues to use Peter. You know, and as I, as I talk to you guys and hear, and, and hear you guys speak about your appreciation for Peter, you know, I mean, we love Peter because he was a blow-it but he understood grace. We love him because we identify with him. It's hard to identify with Paul, huh? Because, I mean, he was just so powerful and just the things that we were saying just a moment ago, it's like, man, I want to become like him, but I relate to Peter because Peter's the guy who would blow it, and yet he's the guy who would get out and walk on the water. You know, I mean, it's like he's just an amazing, amazing guy. But we, we, can, we can relate to him. But here he's being used by God. And now he begins in verse 7 through verse 11 to, to talk about how God used him at the first. That he actually was the first to go into a Gentile situation and bring the gospel to Gentiles, see them get saved, and see the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. And he's talking about, of course, what we looked at a number of weeks ago in Acts chapter 10. When 
Paul, excuse me, when Peter uh, was called for by Cornelius the centurion to come and preach the gospel. And before Peter was even done, he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And even then he gave a report, following that, he gave a report to the, the, the leaders there in Jerusalem because they got concerned. They said, Peter, what on earth are you doing? You went into a Gentile's home and ate with them? What's wrong with you? Right? Peter explained why, what happened, how it all came about. And they said, well, praise God that he's just saving the Gentiles too. In the same way that he's saving us. And, and that's what the Jews, the Pharisees, the Judaizers had a real problem with. Same terms. Jew and Gentile saved on the same terms through the work of Christ on the cross. Saved by grace, not by works. Well, as he talks about that, Closing in verse 11, but we believe, very important verse here, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. I'm looking at the clock right now. It's already 10.13. we got to hurry. These are the important issues, by the way, that we're dealing with. We can get through the rest of it fairly quickly. So all the multitude kept quiet, verse 12. Paul and Barnabas shared what God did with them, the miracles and wonders that he did. And, and, and we, we see that even as, as Peter saw that God validated what was going on among the, uh, uh, the, the Gentiles hearing the gospel and receiving the gospel through pouring out his spirit upon them, here we see Paul and Barnabas Kind of the same thing with, with, the, with the works and the miracles. You know, we, we, we do find that in um, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him, the apostles, God also bearing witness with both signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And so this work of God performing miracles, confirming the word that came. A couple of times already, I've quoted to you Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Paul, of course, writing that. There are many other passages that deal with this, and I have a lot written down. We don't have time to go over them today, but you do, ha you do have them on, on this sheet. Those passages at the bottom, look at them, review them. Uh, many passages. I do want to look at Deuteronomy 10.16, though. Deuteronomy 10, 16, if we can get that up on the screen. Um, God, speaking through Moses, said this, Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be stiff-necked no longer. God, even through Moses, speaks about the importance of the heart issue over the works issue, right? The foreskin of our heart needs to be circumcised. God needs to do a work in our hearts and we need to allow him to do that. You know, Galatians 5, 
1 to 6, of, uh, uh, another important passage that, that speaks of this whole issue. And Paul, in that passage, basically says, you know, circumcision, physical circumcision, does you no good whatsoever on a spiritual basis. But it is the circumcision of the heart that matters. In fact, in verse 6, he writes, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. It means it's meaningless. But faith working through love. Important passages for us. Important passages. And so, the issue comes to them. Peter speaks. Paul and Barnabas speak. The, the crowd silences, uh, the, the, and I shouldn't say the crowd because th- this, is, this is among the, the, the leaders, the apostles, the elders, uh, the, the leaders of the church there. And then, and, then, and then James speaks up. As we see, he quotes uh, from, from Peter and what, actually he, he alludes to Peter and what he had said already, and, he's, and he cites a passage from Micah, uh, Micah the prophet as he spoke about the Gentiles coming to faith, those who, who are called by the name of God who are Gentiles. It, it is Micah who wrote that. And, and as we see the reality of that, we, we see that Micah simply said, or excuse me, James, and James, by the way, this is Jesus' brother, Jesus' half-brother James who had become very clearly the, the, the leader of the church at that particular point in time. That, that's who's speaking here. This is simply a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. The Gentiles being brought in. Much in the New Testament about that. Ephesians chapter 2. The, 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 the two, the Jews and Gentiles being made one new man. You know, I mean, just, just so much... That, that's a part of this. And so he says there in verse, verse uh, 19, Therefore I judge that, that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. Don't trouble those who are turning to God by laying all these works on them. As Peter said, works that our fathers and we, were, we weren't even able to do them. Why are we demanding that they do them? And so James came to this decision of telling them to abstain from things polluted by idols, verse 20, sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. One moral issue, which is a very important one among, uh, among these uh, pagans, they, they had they worshipped with pagan idolatry, and so much uh, uh, um, the, the promiscuity was there, and, and it was a part of the worship in so many cases. You know, uh, um, it, that, that the false gods would be worshipped in that way. Well, he mentions these things. And by the way, the, the three things that he mentions, other than the sexual immorality, uh, the uh, things polluted by idols, that would be food sacrificed to idols, uh, for, uh, things strangled and from blood. It would seem that he did that basically to, to bring the Jews to a place where they would be happy to sit down and have a meal with a Gentile. That if they would forsake that, 
then they would be able to fellowship over a meal just fine. But we do know that Paul later would write, and especially with, with food sacrifice to idols, later on he would write that, that you know, it, it really doesn't mean anything. He, he deals with this with his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. You know, it's not so much an issue of what you eat, but it's an issue of your love for your brother. And, and in that passage, it speaks about the law of love. If, and he also deals with the reality that we have, we have freedom to eat anything we want. Even Jews who are saved by the blood of Christ have freedom to eat whatever they want, but if they're with a Pharisee who's going to stumble at it, then don't eat the, don't eat the meat. Don't eat the, the, the non-kosher food, whatever it may be. Paul came to the conclusion that if, if eating meat causes my brother to stumble, then I will never eat meat again. Especially in front of somebody, with somebody, who is stumbled by it. That's the issue. That, that, that comes into play in so many different ways within the church today that we don't really have time to discuss at this particular moment. But the law of love, rather than the law of Moses, rather than the regulations, which have been nailed to the cross, as Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossians chapter 2. The rules and regulations nailed to the cross. And so that's the decision that was made. Beginning of verse 22 through, th through verse 29, basically, it just highlights the letter that was written based on the decision that James made as the leader of the church. And, and we do see that in verse 22 that it pleased the apostles and the elders. And so the church sent a delegation of men up to Antioch with this letter written based on what um, James had said, along with Barnabas and, and, and Paul and those who had come down from Antioch. They went back on up. Two men are mentioned, Judas and Silas. Silas, we're going to see at the end of the chapter, we'll be getting there next week, uh, joins Paul on the next um, missionary uh, uh, journey. The letter written and then sent and then received in verse 30 through verse 35. The letter was written in front of the congregation Verse 31, when it was read, they rejoiced over its encouragement because they were encouraged that they would not need to follow the law of Moses. And so the issue being settled, uh, and it speaks about Judas and Silas. They remained there, they're prophets. They, they were encouraging the people, ministering to the people. The delegation from Jerusalem left. Silas determined to stay. And, and, and then Barnabas and, and, and Paul also were there remaining and teaching and preaching the word of God uh, with many others also. Apparently there were a number of teachers that were there. There were five people that were mentioned specifically in, in um, Acts 13 verse 1, you'll remember, uh, who were uh, prophets within the church. Others were teaching as well. And so in this chapter we see this very, very important issue being settled. The important issue of works versus grace. Works versus grace through faith. Even as Paul again wrote to the Ephesians, we are saved by grace 
through faith, not of works, uh, and not of yourselves, faith not of ourselves, it's faith that God gives us even, but as we exercise that faith, we're able to latch on to the grace that God gives. Faith is the vehicle through which we receive the grace of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. It is the work of God. Again, quoting from Peter, what he said in verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Guys, let us never confuse works with grace. And yet understand that works, not being necessary for salvation, are something that is a part of our experience as we follow as we obey, as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, those things that we do show that we are indeed right with God. They don't make us right, but they show that we are. And aside from that, these works that we do are things that God uses in the lives of people around us. And so we want to do those things. We're our, our, our faith, our, our, we're not based on a, a religion, a system of belief, and yet a system of belief does come. You know, we're, we're all about relationship with Jesus Christ, yes, but because of that relationship with Jesus, we become religious people doing religious type things simply because we love Jesus and we want to please him and we want to be used by him, we want to be made like him. So we do those things, right? That, that, that's how that works. That's how it works. So let's not forsake the works because we're not saved by them. Let's do them out of our love for God and wanting to please Him and wanting to serve Him and also wanting to be used in the lives of other people around us. We're saved by the grace of God. And guys, we're going to celebrate that right now because we're going to partake in communion. We're going to celebrate what God has done for us. Richard's going to come up. He's going to uh, uh, lead us in a communion song. Then we are going to, I'm going to share a few moments. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 11 and talk about that just, for, just briefly. Then we'll close with a, with a closing song.